Hello and welcome into the Hoopsville podcast for the month of September. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We're coming to you, thanks to our presenting sponsor, D3Hoops.com, and of course, from the WBCA NABC Studios. If you got questions for us, interact with us, want to stay up to news in Division Three, you can always follow us at D3Hoopsville on your Twitter account. You can also use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Or follow us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville. You can also email us if you'd like. We are Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Of course, follow our friends at D3Hoops on Twitter as well and on Facebook, etc. As uh, lots to keep track of moving forward. Later in the show, we're going to talk to Polly Thomason, head coach, uh, administrator, um, women's basketball committee chair, and also WBCA board member from Texas, Dallas. We'll talk to her about everything that is going on in Division Three, is from the women's basketball perspective, of course. Uh, looking forward to that conversation as we'll dive into as much as we can on what is a lot of questions and maybe not a lot of answers, but we'll get her take on things coming up. We were a little delayed with getting this podcast out the door this month. I, I really wanted to do it closer to around Labor Day, but Honestly, we didn't have a lot of answers. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't we didn't know if we would put out a podcast and within days it would be irrelevant or dated or not have a lot of information. Also, as as a personal note, I've been rather busy with my with work. <laughs> believe it or not. Uh which I'm more than thankful for uh as soon enough I I may not have any more work until college sports get back up. So a little bit of craziness here in September, but we're getting this one out the door as soon as we can because there's at least been some news in Division Three, some direction we're headed in in terms of understanding whether we will or won't have a season and what that season will look like. We'll talk more about a lot of these details with Polly Thomason, so you'll get some more um, understanding of it. But let's go through some of the bullet points. We start, of course... Where we left off last podcast, we have Philip Ponder, the head coach of Oglethorpe men's basketball on the show. He had actually come up uh, with a plan and put it on paper that many others, I think, had 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 discussed or at least thought about or, hey, that's not a bad idea while, while chatting with me or some other people. Um, he put on paper the idea of shifting the season about a month. So a bulk of everybody starting in January. And then we'd be really finish the regular season, the end of March, uh, and we'd actually finish the championships about three weekends into April, or give or take on that. To be honest, I heard good things about that. I, there was a lot of traction coming out of that podcast, as much as there was traction going in, I should point out. We tried to give more of a push. Uh, interesting enough, there were still some who didn't hadn't heard of it uh, when I talked to them in the last few weeks. But a number of people had. I know it was discussed uh, high up, at least in Division Three, quote unquote, at the NCAA level. That's that's a little bit of a misnomer since it's really committee members of Division Three, and I know it was discussed amongst them. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I'm almost going to say to you right now, while it's not, I haven't been heard anything official from the NCAA. It's it's official. We're not going to be shifting this season. It won't be moving. Uh, there was a survey that was was put out asking coaches what they thought, and a number of coaches. I think I heard 75%, maybe uh, roughly, maybe 90%. I could be wrong. Somewhere in that realm, said, "Yeah, two two to four weeks. Can we shift things?" 
uh, the answers were in that range. And so besides that, uh, it's not going to happen. And it comes down to logistics. We'll talk to Polly Thomas and get her take on this later. But I got to remember back to what Jason Fine said on the last podcast. He's the Bates Athletics Director. Remember, also on the Management Council, he'll take over chair of that Management Council coming up here in January. He had indicated to us that he had heard a number, something like um, 350 sites between Division One, Two, and Three for fall sports. There are that many sites for all the championship tournaments that are ongoing. Just extrapolate that out. What does that mean for other sports? And most recently, Division One approved that their fall championships will be played and handed out in the spring. So now let's consider there are spring championships. Now there's going to be D1 fall championships. Plus, you're trying to shift winter sports into that, not to mention whatever D1 does with its winter sports, especially the one we all need to keep everything moving in the NCAA, and that's March Madness on the D1 uh, men's basketball side and a bit on the women's. There's, It's just so challenging. And, and let's also keep in mind there are staff members at the NCAA who are responsible for each championship and helping run them, the liaisons, for example, and others who do so much of the heavy lifting. But they don't just do one championship. And so now we're, we're putting a ton, and I say we generically, a ton of championships in the spring. And I, I wish we could move the season, but I understand how logistically this is just a bit of a, a too uh, big a hill to climb. And, and let's be honest, it's not like Division Three is bringing in millions and millions and millions of dollars to the NCAA as a whole. If we had some incredible sponsorships or some credible TV deals, I'm sure the answer would be a little bit different. They'd probably jump through a little bit more hoops because that money is needed to keep everything moving and keep everything going. But but we don't. Let's, let's, let's call us as it is, right? So that's just not going to happen. The regular season is expected to start uh, as normal on November 6th. I don't see a change in that. That's just a formality. A vast majority of schools will not be playing in the fall. There may be a few who try and get some games in. But practices will start October 15th if teams want to. Um, They're not on a 19-week schedule anymore. They're on a 140-some-odd day schedule so teams have a little bit of flexibility of how they want to craft it but most schools uh, and a lot of the conferences have said you know what no sports until January 2021 Um, and so we aren't going to see a lot when November and December come along Um, I hope Pat doesn't mind it's not necessarily breaking news I think it was pretty well understood but the d3hoops.com classic will not take place in Las Vegas this year Really, let's be honest, how could it? I didn't even look at the list of of teams that were scheduled to come and what their status were, but I already had in my head that most, if not all, were not going to make it because the schools weren't allowing them to play anyway. So no surprise there. First time in, geez, I've lost track how many years, 10 some odd years now. Uh, I will be home after Christmas, which will be a little surreal, but That's just the nature of things. We will get the season rolling in January, but that opens up all kinds of questions um, on what's going to happen. And when it comes to the postseason, you you may have seen the news. You may not have. Division III's championship committee has has put out a proposal that all 
tournaments um, be at 75%, meaning for both basketballs, instead of a 64-team tournament, you're looking at a 48-team tournament. Remember, there are now 44 AQs in Division Three, as America, uh, as Atlantic East is getting an AQ now after their two-year probationary period. Um, so that technically leaves four at-large bids for both men and women. But let's also remember that there's a good chance not every conference is going to hand out an AQ. Let's be honest. The UAA is a great example of this because they may not have a conference schedule whatsoever because traveling around the country is just not going to, it's not the brightest idea, uh, especially if you're trying to keep your student athletes safe. So, you know, the, while those teams will probably play regionally um, against teams that, that need games or whatever the case may be, Let's just say the UAA doesn't hand out an AQ. Okay, so now you have five at-large bids. Um, there's going to be some interesting quirks here of what conferences decide to do what. I have heard it across the board. I've heard conferences who are scheduling nine games, which isn't um, isn't even a down, double round robin, and then they'll have a conference tournament. I've heard some who think they've got enough time to get a full double round robin in, plus a conference tournament. There's a lot of options on the table, but we're looking at a 48-team tournament. The other quirk that I'm that I'm hearing is because it's a 48-team tournament, there, it's, there's a chance the committees are going to play with the scheduling a bit. Um, in other words, last year we were going to go to Fort Wayne with the Elite Eight uh, in men's basketball in the Final Four, granted no championship game. Well, maybe they add the championship game now. We play three games, or three days, I should say, in Fort Wayne. Well, that means then the previous round can basically be two rounds in one weekend. It frees up another week for the regular season. So a two-week postseason versus a three-week gives us one extra week in the regular season. And that gives teams and conferences a little bit more time to maybe get some games in, uh, if at all possible. Because remember, teams are going to come back most likely in beginning of January, let's just let's just call January one the easy date um, it, to keep it from being too confusing, and they get maybe two weeks of practices in before they start up games. So you're talking games around January fifteen, and you're playing now until the end of February, maybe the first weekend of March. You're basically looking at six to seven weeks of of basketball, and you're gonna you're, let's say two games a week. You're talking twelve, maybe fourteen games, and that's counting a conference tournament if you're lucky. So that's kind of where the dynamics are as we have seen them, as I've been piecing them together. The tournament will be at 48. It'll be maybe shrunk into two weekends, possibly, or, or long weekends. And, and another advantage to that is now that we, and this is actually something that may benefit Division Three moving forward in general. Now that we've gotten somewhat used to or adapted, maybe is a better way, of saying it, to virtual classrooms and online teaching that some schools were doing, but now everybody is doing to some degree, we can have student-athletes actually not be on campus and be at um, sites for uh, an Elite Eight, for example, at Final Four and Championship, and not miss as much class time. Because now they can take that class, whether it's on the bus, which I know is a little bit crazy, or somewhere else, and maybe, just maybe, not miss as much class time because they're taking it virtually now because that technology now is in the school and readily available. And if they miss it, they can go back and watch it. So little things like that may end up helping us in the long run, and it certainly will have an impact 
this time around as well. By the way, another little quirk, we got we to gotta realize that the selection criteria is going to be a little bit different. They may not be able to stick to every single bit of criteria because it's going to be mainly conference games or mainly non-conference games, or there's certainly not going to be a lot of common opponents because we won't be crisscrossing the country with a lot of games um, because the priority just isn't there and, and we're not going to be traveling. So the criteria is going to take a little bit of, of, a, of a hit this year, and, and we're certainly going to have some interesting conversations about at-large bids and bracketing. And then it, this, a lot of this is going to be regionalized. It, it's a little bit of a throwback to you know a time that none of us didn't loved as much, but it's a, nece- a necessary evil right now if we want a tournament. I've also heard, but don't don't let's not stick with this one. But I've also heard the 500 mile rule may expand to 600 miles just to give uh, committees a little bit more flexibility to get everybody to a a site that first weekend or second, depending on how the how the tournament is truly structured. Speaking of which, you will have predetermined sites. It is not set in stone. Again, the championship committee is asking their, the national committees of each sport what their opinion is, but everything I'm hearing is we will have predetermined sites in basketball um, let's say four in each one uh, on the first weekend for men's and women's, so eight total, because it's going to be easier for logistics. It's going to be easier for bubble control. It's going to be easier for COVID testing because you'll know where you can get that COVID testing done versus trying to figure that out. No joke in 48 hours or less before teams start showing up and need to be tested. Um, so there's going to be a, there's we're going to be having predetermined sites. We we're going to know where we're playing games throughout the tournament this year which is going to be a little bit different as well so i I hope you got all of that but basically we're 48 team tournaments most likely is going to be the deal again championship committee is asking national committees but nothing i'm hearing says that the basketball committees are going to say they have to be at 64 so 48 uh, team tournaments at minimum four at large bids um at maximum how many are are available with AQs not being handed out by whatever conferences. Um, you will also have predetermined host sites, basically for all rounds. Um, you will likely have a reduced postseason from two or from three weekends to two weekends with say the elite eight final four and championship all being played at the, at the final site. For women, it's scheduled to be Salem, Virginia for men, Fort Wayne, Indiana, yet again, um, I believe they will be set because without shifting the season, those dates are still in place for those dates. There's another logistical hurdle. If you, we shifted the season a month, would Fort Wayne really be available with whatever else they have booked for their gym or their arena? Anyway, that, that, that's a whole other ball of wax. So you've got all of that as well. So I hope that all makes sense. There's a lot to digest there. Uh, regionality with the, with the brackets which means some good teams are, are not only going to be left out of the tournament, let's be honest, but some good teams are going to beat each other in the opening rounds. And we're, and we're just, it's, it's the best we're going to be able to do this year with the limitations that the virus and everything else is contributing. Now, a lot of this is, is because of the virus. Some of it is budget. I'll be honest with you, I'm a little confused, and, and I need to do more work on understanding our budget shortfall. I don't want to get confused with what happened last academic year. Yes, we had a shortfall, and we dipped into the reserves. At least D3 had reserves to deep dip into. D1 did not um, to cover that shortfall. 
But I was under the impression, according to a lot of people who would know this better than I, that moving forward, that shortfall wouldn't impact this year. That said, we had to make some cuts, like championship banquets have been cut, which we mentioned on another podcast for this year to save money. Um, the NCA commit uh, NCA has has had huge furloughs at the Indianapolis office, which also, by the way, affects the logistics of trying to shift the season. Could you imagine? Uh, they're already coming in behind the eight ball, but they're also probably going to lose some people from this because they're going to go look for work. Um, anyway, it, it, it there's a lot to unpack, and it's why one we waited to do a podcast, and two. Before I'm un- unavailable for the next month, I wanted to make sure you were aware of what's going on. I hope that all makes sense. There's a lot to unpack. Coming up, we will talk to Polly Thomason and get a little bit more insight on some of this. She is the chair of the Women's Basketball Committee this year, and she'll give us a little bit more understanding of what they're dealing with in a general way. Um we will continue doing audio podcasts uh, until we feel the season is upon us. And then we'll shift back to our normal uh, hoopsville ways of doing things. All right. So that's kind of my understanding of the season. Um, the season's supposed to start November 6th, and it may for a handful of teams. It won't for the majority. They will start in January, including practices. Some. Teams may practice in the fall semester to get ready for the spring. Some are not allowed to do it at all. And I say spring, meaning January. Um, we, we will play a postseason. This is if we have a season, we will have a postseason, but it will look different this year. But it's going to happen at the same time we're normally used to having it. Uh, testing has a, has a big impact on this. There's always, you know, trying to figure out if the NCAA's current rules will be changed, loosened, tightened, whatever. Uh, I think a lot of people get confused with what's going on in D1. It doesn't necessarily impact D3. Overall, NCAA things certainly do, but there are some decisions at D1 that are being made for D1, and there's decisions by D3 that are being made for D3, just as the same for D2. Um, And so there's a lot of moving parts. At first, I thought the championship committee maybe was, for the first time, not talking with others, but the more I talked to some people... Uh, on committees and the like, I get the sense that this was maybe more seen coming than, than I was initially led on to believe. Uh, it wasn't as much of a surprise. It's unfortunate, but at least we would have a season in a tournament in these circumstances versus having no season. And to be honest with you, there's still a chance of no season. There's absolutely a chance of no season. Depending on who you ask, what day you ask them, and at what moment in that day, they may have a different answer. And I am going to be one of those. I, I could talk to three people who are all very hopeful of a season and they're going to make me feel hopeful. And I'm going to come to you and go, you know what? 75% chance we have a season. And then I start diving into some more news and I start digesting some things. And maybe I hear from somebody else and I come away going, eh, now it's 50, 50. And, and then another moment, yeah, maybe it's only 20% chance we have a season. It really, it, it's not how the wind blows. I think it's just how everyone's trying to figure things out. We're at least ahead of the curve trying to figure things out. It's unfortunate we can't shift the season, as I said, but I at least have confidence that there's a, some kinds of plans there to, to give us a little bit more time and to come up with something that we can do with the season. All understanding that it could easily be canceled. 
And we could easily have conferences who decide, no, we're still not doing sports. Uh, not to pick on the NESCAC, but they happen to be the schools and conference that tends to be the first ones to to um, make a decision. You could maybe call them the canary in the cave mine. I don't know if that's necessarily fair because you could say that about the Ivy League and D1, but yet D1 is still playing some sports right now, at least football. Um, but don't be surprised if some conferences come out and some schools come out and say, it's not worth it. We're not doing this. And we lose that AQ or we lose 10 or 12 schools. I do think right now, as it sits, the chances of playing winter sports were better than fall sports ever were. But that could change in a week. That could change in a day. That could change in a month. Um, so it, it's, it, it'll be interesting to follow and we'll do our best to keep track of it and hope we have a season, to be honest. Um, and, but understand why we don't. If, 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 if that happens. All right. Polly Thomason coming up. We'll talk to her when we come. And then at the end of the show, we'll do a notebook segment. Uh, we'll go through some notes, some, uh, some sad news, some other news that's going on in division three and, and put a bow on this one. It's not as long a podcast as we normally have, uh, or unfortunately have, depending on your, on your viewing habits. Uh, but we will have some, some interesting notes to finish up the show. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. Of course, our guests presented by Blue Frame Technology. We appreciate their support as always. When we come back, Polly Thomason joins me on that Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville hotline to talk about the possibility of a season and all the challenges that basketball is facing, especially from her perspective on the women's side. Back with more after this. got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division 3 basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to the Hoopsville September podcast for 2020, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. I am your host, Dave McHugh. A reminder of our social media channels, 
You can find us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Find us on Instagram also at, at D3Hoopsville. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And you can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. I am your host, Dave McHugh, and we're continuing along in this kind of slammed together podcast as we, uh, we, we waited for as much information as we could have to, to put out something that was informal or informative, not informal, but we're always informal, but informative. But at the same time, uh, we're now running out of time because I'm going to be um, pretty much unavailable basically for the next month. Uh, and so we wanted to get this taken care of. We will certainly try and keep things moving from the um, uh, Twitter side of things and, and stay up to date on that. Just recording a show was going to be a bit of a challenge. Uh, our only guest of, of this uh, podcast is Polly Thomason. She's the women's basketball coach at Texas Dallas. She's also been on the women's basketball uh, committee for a while uh, and has now taken over the chairmanship of that committee. And she's a board member of the WBCA and very much involved. Uh, she joins us, and we're going to talk a little bit, not only about what she has ahead of her, but really kind of breaking down everything I kind of you know, downloaded on you in the first segment. She'll give us a little bit more insight and understanding of it all. So we now turn things over to my chat with Polly Thomason. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of Texas Dallas. It is Polly Thomason. And coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk with you. Well, I, I appreciate it, especially you have become, um, well, I think you've taken the word busy to a whole nother level, <laughs> Polly. Um, let's get this resume straight. First, apparently you are still the women's basketball coach at Texas Dallas. Uh, that is correct. Every, yeah, from everything I've been told, you're still there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And you've been told you're still there. So that's always a good sign. Yeah. Um, I, you're also on the women's basketball committee. We'll get back to that in a second. And you're also on the board of the WBCA. Yes. I'm just curious if you've decided to take up Olympic coaching duties, if you've thought about a you under something age group, uh, any other things you want to do in your free time? Well, you know, I have started sewing. So, okay. you know. <laughs> I found time for that. <laughs> I applaud you. I applaud you. Uh, you found time for anything other than basketball. Um, I know you're busy, and so I appreciate you the time, but I also wanted you because of that perspective. We should also point out you're in your – I've lost track. What year are you on the committee now? Uh, this is my fourth year on the committee. It is your fourth. Wow. Yeah, fourth and uh, probably final. Probably final. Yeah. With the Depends. women's committee, you're never sure. Um, not, that's not a shot at the women's committee. It's just been a quirky few years. Um, as a result, you've had the honor. Uh, is that the right word? Uh, you had no choice. You were forced. Uh, you can choose how you want. No, uh, definitely honor. Definitely honor. Okay. You're yeah. the chair. You've taken over for uh, Karen Harvey, who, who served the last few years and still will serve on the committee. But Actually, no, she's not. Oh, she's, she's up. See? Yeah, she's stepping away from the committee. So. Hashtag breaking news. <laughs> Karen didn't drop that nugget on me. Um, well, Karen certainly served a number of years. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't surprise me. But your chair this year, so on top of everything else, you might have to drop the sewing uh, <laughs> to be chair. But you have an interesting year to be chair coming off of a championship that got, that got basically derailed midway through. Um, and now heading into a season that's got more questions than I think any season has ever had. How, how difficult are things right now, just from, from your perspective? 
I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's beyond anything we've ever experienced. Um, it's going to be like anything we've ever experienced. Um, you know, we, we are going through so many scenarios right now, and that's just with our committee. I can't even imagine how much the NCAA is working on their scenarios and their feasibility studies. Um, you know, our, our, our goal is still to put on the best championship we can and have a great student athlete experience. We're going to be focused on that, but, you know, it will be incredibly hard to determine a championship field because of uh, the situations that are going on across the country. Yeah, we said in the opening segment that we've been piecing things together and, and maybe we can, we can nail them down a little bit with you. Uh, we know the championship committees come out and talked about reducing the bracket, for example, from 64 to 48. And that's across the board, 75% mm-hmm. reduction with everybody because of what's going on, whether it's budget problems or just maybe not enough teams will be playing. It, it, from the committee's perspective – how is the thought of a, of a possible 48-team bracket that's, let's be honest, rather going to be rather regionalized too? How does that, how does that come across, and, and what do you guys think of, of having to tackle that? Well, I think we're all, of course, disappointed because basketball is the largest sports sponsorship in the NCAA Division Three. so cutting our teams down from 64, which is already a hard thing to do with only 20 at-larges, to now going to a 48-team Um, that's going to be incredibly, you know, thankfully we have 44 AQs and I think we're going to honor the AQs as we should, because that's, um, the important piece of, I think, division three. Uh, so then maybe deciding four at large bids, that's going to be an incredibly hard task. Um, doing 20 was incredibly difficult. So now making that number even smaller, um, yeah, it's going to be challenging if that's the way we decide to go. You know, I think those things are still, uh, to be voted on and decided on people that are paid more than I am and have more power than me. But, you know, I think that's the trend. That's the talk of what we're going to do. But yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's already not easy with 64. And can you imagine having to go down to 48 and some great, some great teams are already left out in a, a normal size bracket. I mean, it's um, almost a double-edged sword because in some ways it's, it's, it's a little easier because it's just four. If it's the four, and we should, right. as we said, again, that's if all the conferences hand out their AQ. Right, absolutely. There's certainly some scenarios where we could see that not happening. But if it, it, it's great, it's just four, but it, you're also going to be now picking and choosing amongst hundreds of teams versus having that leverage, as, as you point out, of having to pick out 20. Right, and where the data is not as easy to, to read. Right. You know, we're talking about teams that might play more regional or only conference games. You know, it was already hard enough to compare teams from Texas to teams in New England. Um, now when they're not going to have any common opponents and maybe even less than not, or, you know, only nine games to compare, uh, it's going to be a very difficult task. Yeah, you could have teams who haven't played nine games or 16 games or, or something in between or whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you, have you guys discussed if, if there's going to be some criteria that, for the year just needs to take a back seat and, and just not be used or, or have you even considered how this might have to have to be pieced together? I'm not going to hold you to it. Don't worry. No, no, yeah. No, I think it's too early to determine sure. what criteria, because we just don't know the schedules. We just don't know who's going to play each other right now. Um, I think that that's really the, the kicker for basketball is we just don't have a lot of information as far as what is being played, who's playing whom, you know, but once that gets decided and once we have more, um, data and information, we'll be able to say, hey, this is what we can look at. This is what we can't look at. One of the other things we mentioned in the opening segment was that there may be a possibility of trying to free up an extra week of the regular season because you're down to 48 teams. You can actually kind of play with the tournament. 
I'm certainly not holding anybody to that because we realize the NCA, as you point out, could come back and say, no, we're not going to do that. Or that's not as cost effective as, as you may. I mean, we can find a hundred reasons, but is that an idea that's maybe out there? Maybe, maybe you play the elite eight final four and championship in Salem and just two rounds the previous weekend and give everybody an extra week. Is that a, a feasible idea or is that just looks good on paper type idea? No, I think it's definitely a feasible idea. Um, like I mentioned, I think the NCAA has done a lot of work and has done a lot of feasibility studies, um, throwing a lot of different ideas and thoughts as far as how we can run this championship, because that's obviously the priority is a championship. Um, so 100% that that's an, an, an option for us is to run a, an elite eight um, at one site. And then the, uh, the the previous weekend do the first, second, third rounds, you know, uh, it's more games and more teams, but I think uh, it makes sense. Uh, the rationale behind uh, trying to not have one site with everybody, obviously that's a COVID nightmare, uh, but at least trying to spread it out, but still making it easier for those hosts to implement the testing protocols, uh, implement the safety protocols that need to be in place uh, to run a health and safety, uh, to run the championship health and safety wise. And we said this too, we should probably prepare everybody. We're looking at predetermined sites here. We're pre I don't see you guys trying to argue that you, you want to make a decision on sites necessarily at the last minute. Yeah, I think that goes into the whole health and safety issue. We want to be able to prepare our sites uh, for the testing, for the safety protocols. Um, so uh, going into predetermined, I, the NCAA says that's the way that we can really make sure that we're meeting everything that needs to be met to keep our staff safe, to keep our athletes safe, to keep the coaches safe, you know, and obviously keep the home, uh, the home safe as well. So yeah, uh, I think uh, it still, again, has to be finalized and approved uh, by the higher, higher bees, but for sure uh, that's something that we're, we're talking about. I just got a text message from Dixie Jeffers. Uh, if she, if you haven't talked to her already, she says Columbus is available. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> They'll throw their name into anything. We, we love Columbus. That would oh, be a absolutely. great place. Yeah. Um, and I think Salem's going to host, would love to host everybody. Sure. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Talked about that? <laughs> I could totally see that happening. Or, yeah. or at least the request. Hey, we can do it. <laughs> I'd go um, there for two weeks for food. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's plenty of good options. They'll make okay. sure of it. Um, obviously, the other idea that we had talked about on the last podcast, and I don't know how it got, if it got across your table, but I'm pretty sure it did, was actually shifting the season, giving us an extra month, maybe play everything in postseason wise in April. I gather that that the idea was certainly well received, mm -hmm. but that the logistical side from Indianapolis's perspective, and as I said in the in the pre first uh, block of the show, especially with staff who's on furlough, that's just not feasible. Did you think it had a chance? Did you think? we could have done that or was that just a great idea that just in this time may not have been able to piece together? When I uh, initially heard it, I thought it was a great idea and I never thought, well, there's no reason why we can't. It's just a easy moving of dates. Uh, but, you know, being on lots of the, a lot of the conversations that I'm on, um, there's just a lot of moving parts that you don't even consider, you know, from buses, from hotels, from contracts that you already have in place. You know, we don't have the CBS contract, uh, but obviously we're going to be impacted by the Division One, Division Two that do. Um, so, yeah, there's just so many moving parts that now it makes sense why we can't move it because, you know, we are uh, limited in our resources. But, 
you know, I, I would have loved to give my seniors a complete season and give them as close to a regular season as possible. But I think we now are, are, are all understanding that that's just not the case this year. You know, it's no. just going to be a different time. I know this is gravy, but does this even put from your WBCA hat, put something like the all-star game have to be considered on, on, on a hold item? I know I might putting you a little bit on the spot here, but <laughs> I just start thinking about things that yeah. we normally see in a championship tournament. I'm like, oh, we have the all-star game. We have, you know, this, we have that. I mean, we already got rid of championship banquets to save some money. So, I mean, there's been so many little tiny changes. It just dawned on me. What about yeah. the all-star? Yeah, I think all of it's going to be considered, you know, I think we have to really think about what can we run from a health and safety standpoint, what makes sense to take care of our student athletes first, you know, that's the priority. Uh, I think obviously budget is a huge consideration that everybody, you know, they're not going to say that that's a priority, that, but it is, you know, no. it is, it's something that we have to consider, but I just think it's First, from a health and safety perspective, can we bring in those additional 20 athletes and can we do it safely? Um, is that responsible thing to do? Uh, you know, and now if we do go to an elite eight, is there even going to be a time in the, the schedule to do it? I think there's just a lot of questions that, you know, once we can determine the format of our championship, then we can answer a lot of the other questions. By the way, I think the men did do it, but we didn't have the championship game that year. We went, that was Atlanta where we were going to play the championship in Atlanta, but just, just food for thought. Um, okay, so we're talking all these great ideas about postseason and, and finishing off the regular season strong and, and, and in different ways and all that. But let's be honest, we don't even know if the season's going to take place. True. A lot of teams, most teams, are not going to start November 6th. They're yeah. not going to start until sometime in January, some the end of January, if they're lucky, as things stand now. What, what do you think the chances are we're even having a season when, when all things are said and done? Yeah, I think that's a great question, um, you know, especially considering different parts of the, the United States are in different points of their, you know, coming back to work or coming back to campus. You know, we're all, all in different situations. So um, I think certain areas of the country are going to have a full season. You know, I know Texas, we are moving forward and playing and wanting to get in as many games as possible. And I talked to my coaching friends up in the Northeast and, you know, they're not even back on campus. Uh, their student athletes are still at home uh, and they're not even thinking about playing or practicing until the spring. So it's just, everybody's in a different point, but you know, I do think that it's going to look different. Um, it will not be equal across the board. It will not look the same across the board, but I think there will be a season and I do think there will be a championship. Um, you know, I think we're all working really hard to make that happen. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say 100% I'm going to put money down on it, but, you know, I feel comf confident saying, yeah, that we have a really good shot, you know, 80, 85% that will run one, that will have it, that will have it a season. Do you get worried when you hear the experts say things like winter sports might be the challenge because it's indoor? Yeah. Um, I know I talked to an AD who said, listen, you know, I, I have football and I have basketball and the sport that concerns me the most isn't football. Yeah. Uh, it is basketball because there isn't, you know, distance. There's, there's a lot of close contact without pads and equipment and face shields we can put on. Are you worried when you hear those types of things that the season may get derailed because not anything you guys are doing, not anything you're doing to try and protect student athletes, but it's just, it's just not going to be able to come together in a general sense. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think about that every day. 
Um, you know, if it is really feasible considering we're an indoor sport, um, you know, Texas, we could probably go outside and play in the winter. No big deal. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, you're not going to do that in Maine. Uh, but no, oh. I, I just, yeah, I, I'm worried. I do. I do worry that we're not going to get a season and especially for my student athletes, you know, if we do play, what are we putting them, you know, what are we putting them in front of that we're not aware of? Uh, all those things are questions and concerns. Um, but I just hope that, you know, I think we've got some really smart people in place at the NCAA level, you know, conference wide, I think across the country, I think we can learn from each other as long as we listen and, you know, really follow the directions that are happening. You know, I feel confident that we can do it in a safe manner. I feel like the NBA and WNBA have proven that you can play, uh, and keep your athletes safe. Uh, so I, I hope that we can take what they've done as a lesson, uh, and implement, obviously we can't do a bubble like they've done, but hopefully implement, implement some other things that will at least create some sort of atmosphere that's like that to keep us, keep our athletes safe. I know you come from a bit of an administrative background, so you kind of understand this next question a little bit. One of the daunting tasks that kind of derailed officially fall sports was the testing side, mm -hmm. uh, the mandates slash recommendations from the NCAA. And there's been scuttlebutt that they may be changed. They may be tightened. They may be loosened up. I mean, depends on which you know, paper you turn to or which page you turn over or which um, version you hear at that particular time. How challenging is the testing from, from your perspective? And can that be something that would make things in, impossible? Oh, I think the testing is huge, especially when different campuses have different resources. Some have hospitals to make it uh, more cost effective. Some don't. Um, some are in bigger cities. Some are in smaller towns. Um, you know, and like you mentioned, the NCAA has said some things are required, some things are suggested. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. that that's the biggest, you know, there's just still so many questions concerning all of it. Um, testing, I think, uh, you know, we've heard there could be tests that come out and cost $4 and maybe now it becomes more cost effective. You know, what's the time frame of getting the testing back? Um, you know, I, I feel like those are questions I think about every day and hopefully find answers to them every day. But I know that that's not what's important to our presidents right now. They're just trying to keep the, the doors open and keep students healthy. So we've got to just remember that, you know, we, we are basketball centric in our thinking, but that is not what's going on across the country. Well said. It's, it is about keeping doors open. You're absolutely right. And, and we see that constantly in decisions that are being made. Um, a little bit interesting too, is the fact that student athletes can take a, a red shirt in a variety of ways and not, get hurt by it they can just flat out decide they're not coming back and I've heard some coaches say to me that there's a handful in each conference or whatever the case may be who are going to elect to come back maybe not even go to school next semester or, what, or even for the full year to allow that to, to be more feasible we also are talking division three student athletes right <laughs> who have jobs lined up in a lot of places and, and so this isn't as feasible but there's also the minimum rule you know, 12 games, if you, if the team plays, if you're on the team and they play 12 games or, or more or more than 12 games, then that's gone. But if they play less, everybody gets a blanket red shirt. And we should point out, this isn't just for seniors. This is juniors, sophomores, right. and freshmen too. What's from your WBCA perspective, what have you been hearing about that? Has that become something that coaches are talking about that players are doing that, that there's enough there that it's an interesting thing to be discussing? Man, I, I personally feel like from just conversations I've had with fellow coaches and friends, it's 
different across the country. Mm. Um, you know, I already know of schools that their players have taken gap years and they're not playing this year. Um, and some that they're trying to play a 25 game schedule. Um, some just haven't really decided what they're doing. You know, I, I feel like I'm in that boat personally. I go back and forth from day to day on how I want to schedule. Do I, you know, one day I want to schedule 25 games for my seniors and get, you know, even if it's in AI and D2, I still want to do it to get them to play. And then the next day I'm to the, well, what if they want to come back, <laughs> you know, and playing the minimum. Uh, so I wish I, we had a crystal ball to know what uh, March would look like. Cause I think that would help make the decision a little bit easier, but I think it's all over the board as far as what's going on. Um, everybody's situation is just different. Um, and it's just really hard to, to nail down what, what is the right thing to do? I think it's just, it's what's good for your student athletes. I should know the answer to this, but will the NCAA tournament games count towards that 12? Yes, they do. I yeah. thought There's, so. Yeah. The, your conference tournament games do as well. So well, any game you play, yeah. any game you play against outside competition is going to count. So, and, and yeah. And we should point out, there's a little bit of language in there too, about scrimmages. And mm -hmm. we've already seen where that's caused some not problems, but where coaches have confused the two. Um, <laughs> but that's another dynamic here. Yeah. Because if a player decides to play and then realizes you're closing in on 12 and decides not to, and then the team goes over 12. Uh, I, I think from my understanding, if your team plays 12, your, your team yeah. has played 12. Yeah. I, this is, so in other words, you could make all this effort to give your seniors a great season, as you said, yeah. and then all the seniors go, you know what? I'm coming back next year. Right. I would love that. <laughs> well, true. I've got, a, I've got a great senior. So I feel this like is true. <laughs> but also from another perspective, that could completely alter how this season, if it's played, could end up playing out. Because some of the best teams in the country might have players who decide, I'm going to wait a year, yeah. which means a loaded next year. But this year, we get some random tournament. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very interesting. I mean, like, this is such a cool dynamic. It's frustrating, but it's also yeah. like there's so many possibilities and so many options. And, you know, you just, you just don't know from, the day, from one day to the next what's going to happen and what your student athlete is going to decide, what your conference is going to decide, what your university is going to decide. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you got to have patience. That's the word that I just keep throwing around. It's like, just got to take each day for what it is. Be happy. We're here. We're still being given an opportunity to play. Uh, and we'll just figure it out when it happens. Uh, if you don't mind, before we let you give us some insight or, or take us a little bit inside the, the team, as it were, how are you discussing this with your players? How is this being, um, I discussed is I won't want to repeat the word, but how is it being chatted about with everybody from your, how you're trying to talk to your team and how the team is responding to everything? Yeah. You know, I think right now, um, since, you know, it, it, it seems like such a normal thing right now because we're not practicing, you know, we're not a D one or a D two that gets hours outside of, right. you know, our, our playing season. So it feels normal right now. Uh, but I've had conversations. I first started talking with my seniors and just asking them what that, what a fifth year would look like to them. Like, is that even feasible? Um, and yeah, you know, I've got two and it's split, you know, one is like, well, I could, I've already thought about coming back. And one's like, no, I'm not, I'm going to graduate and I want to go work. Hey, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to convince you to come back for a master's when you're paying for it. I mean, that makes absolutely. perfect sense. Uh, and then you know, I asked some of my underclassmen and my juniors just last week, you know, what does, uh, 
not a successful season, but what does a meaningful, meaningful season look like to them? You know, what is, what is their thoughts on, you know, cause I'm concerned about putting them in a, in harmful situations and sure. especially when we don't know the outcome of, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, who knows? Sure. Uh, so, you know, they, they all want to play. They all want to, you know, they're here for a reason. Um, obviously education is priority, but they want to play basketball. You know, they know that they only get four years and I actually, it's kind of weird. I feel like my juniors are the ones that are leaning more towards this might be it for me as opposed to my seniors. Uh, Cause they mm. have a chance to graduate early and they're just kind of like, yeah, if, if this isn't going to be a regular season, then I think I might just check out. Uh, so, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of other teams across the country that are facing that from their seniors or their juniors. But, you know, I think everybody is having a hard time deciding what to do. And I think not knowing specifically what is happening, what's going on and everything still being up the air frustrates everybody on board. I mean, I know this is, this is just tough. I'm a planner and it's tough not knowing what's going on. You know, when, when am I going to start practice? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, this is where sewing has come into play. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, I can't remember where everybody stands. So where, where does Texas Dallas and where does the conference stand in terms of when things are, I hate using the term allowed, but when things will officially be, be starting for basketball. Yeah, We our conference has not officially made a uh, decision. You know, we're still, we're planning like uh, we're going to get to play in the fall. Uh, but I think our presidents are meeting this week or next week. You know, I, I credit my conference to not rushing into anything because sure. they're really, they're focused on making sure that they're doing the right thing for our student athletes. And so, um, you know, as coaches, again, we're, we're getting antsy because we want to know, but I think that they're just taking all the information in and making the decision as late as possible. So uh, the student athletes have more of an opportunity to participate. Yeah, obviously practices are supposed to start October 15th. And again, the season's supposed to start November 6th. And as we already said, we might see a smattering uh, of things in the fall, but the bulk of everybody are are looking at January now, but it's different depending as you put it. And I've I've said it many times, whether you're in Texas, whether you're in Mm -hmm. Maine, California, um, Illinois, everybody's got a different um, place that they are with everything. Yeah. Um, Outside of all that, Anything about, you know, if we're heading into a regular basketball season, what, what do you think from your perspective with the WBC and the NCAA we would be talking about? Or what would there be um, that, that would be driving, you think, you right now as you head into the season? I think if it was a normal year, we'd be talking about, do we want to move the three-point line back to where mm-hmm. the men's is? <laughs> I yeah. think that would be the number one conversation. Sure. Uh, but you know what I, I would – like to know is we've changed division three has changed from 19 weeks count to 114 day count yeah and i'd be very curious to find out like where we would be with that moving forward i've heard Uh, that from coaches because yeah i think it's fascinating and you know i think the the d3 has always been you know student athlete experience student athlete experience and you know you only get these 19 weeks and they start october 15th you know, but I feel like the, the 114 days, it's the same amount of time as 19 weeks and having a little bit more flexibility early in the school year, you know, getting to be in front of your student athletes in September. Well, it wouldn't be that early, but, you know, even early October towards the end of the school year in April and May, like that would be an incredible opportunity that still does not take away from their student athlete experience, uh, but just gives us more opportunity to be in front of them and be around them more. So I'd be really curious to see if that moves forward after this season, because I feel like that is a really awesome concept that could. I I came out with an op-ed a year or two ago 
I've lost track when talking about how it'd be nice if basketball had at least some period in September mm-hmm. where coaches could meet if it meant giving up some preseason to do it um, because of ret- uh, um, um, retainment. And that's not the right word. Retention. That's yeah. the word. Um, and other things. And, and it's the on- one of the only sports where you can't, you know, meet with your student athletes when they get on the campus or officially meet with them. I should say you, you can't have a meeting. Um, and I've heard from coaches like, Hey, if I can take the two weeks that they're during uh-huh. exams and not have that count, meaning I got to get through practices in there. Cause they're, I'm going to lose it or use it or lose it anyway. Right. And I can use that somewhere else. Um, that still doesn't remove or take them away from their, from their sport or their academics, but gives them a little bit of more of their sport. I like this. It gives me more of a managerial perspective on things. So I find it fascinating. You bring that up as well. Do you think yeah. that's a legitimate chance of staying in place? I, I honestly feel it could because the, I mean, this has always been talked about at WBCA meetings, as far as like giving basketball a non-traditional season. Yeah. If we're going to do that, we have to take away from the 19 weeks. Right. Okay. Well, no one's been willing to take away from the 19 weeks. <laughs> right. It's hard, <laughs> but if you do it in days, Sure. And as opposed to weeks, now you can, you know, yeah. now I, I don't mind taking three days away from, like you mentioned, a December timeframe where they're in finals or, and or then, home for the holidays. Right. And, and put it on the front end where now maybe I have three days in late September or early October. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, and you so, still have practices can't start till October 15th or something right. formal yeah. like that. There'd still have to be some formalities, but yeah, I'm Absolutely. glad you brought that up yeah. because I've been hearing that as well. And I find it, a uh, very interesting idea. As a guy who played fall sports, who had a non-traditional in the spring, while I didn't think it was all that important, I did understand its importance, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah, that makes – yeah. So I, I understand how it could be beneficial and helpful for teams. Anything else you think would we'd be uh, bouncing around right now if, if things were AKA normal? Yeah, great question. I can't think – I honestly cannot think of anything because my brain I, I think is, the three-point line is a good one because yeah. we're supposed to get one more year of data, and I have a feeling the idea of moving it was coming. Yeah, I do too. Uh, no, I, I, I'm COVID brain right now, so that's sure. That's yeah. all I can think of. I'm sure there's a billion things that I'm not remembering. But Are you worried uh, – I guess I'll finish it on this. Are you worried because we're not in a normal year and, and expenses are so tight that we're going to take a hit in the coaching ranks, not because we're going to lose head coaches, but because we're not going to get a chance to really groom assistants because they can't take the hit. Oh, that's, that's a good question. I hope not, you know, for the sake of the future of our game. Yeah. Um, Some really really, good young coaches. Yeah. I really hope that doesn't happen. You know, I hope that we can find ways to take care of them. Um, I will plug the WBCA, uh, you, you know, join the membership because uh, we do have a lot of uh, opportunities to help coaches who do not uh, have the funds or have maybe been let off, let go or fired. You know, there's, there's a lot of help from the WBCA uh, in that regard. So uh, really reach out to your membership or, and make sure you renew your membership because that's going to be important moving forward. Um, but gosh, I hope not. I hope we can take care of our assistant coaches. I hope our universities see their value, uh, because they're, they have a great relationship with the student athletes and sometimes closer relationships than head coaches do. So they need to be there. I get worried when I see sports information directors and some other positions getting cut, uh, that assistants are are an easy cut, or at least Mm -hmm. there's not enough money to, to keep them interested. So that's why I brought it up. Um, I have to have a little fun with you before I let you go. We had you on a couple of years ago after okay. you played an NCAA tournament game on a Sunday. 
Yeah, oh yeah. And we had a little fun with the uniform you chose <laughs> to wear. Um, that got more traction than I ever anticipated. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I was made, I have to like get my uniforms approved now. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I, it made a few presentations from what I've been told yeah, yeah. Uh, and seen. Uh, that, that was embarrassing for me, too. Um, all of a sudden, see my face pop up on a screen. But I, I did notice you don't have those uniforms anymore. No, no. Gray's done. You know, that was a trend. We're, we like to stay on trend and keep hey, our... there's that trend's still around, unfortunately. Yeah. No, no. We... we... We make sure that you can read our numbers. <laughs> it's important for our fans to be able to see who is who and our sports information directors to know who's there getting the right points. Can it's I just make a point, though, in this COVID year, if we play, web streaming is going to be important. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> Seeing who's on the court is going to be important. That's <laughs> very true, especially if there's no fans allowed. They exactly. No, well, we got, we've got we got a pretty white uniform with dark green letters and numbers, so it looks good. Well, you had one that was great. It was the it was the other. Yeah, the other it, it's the yeah that one's it, been retired. I appreciate you having fun with me on that. <laughs> uh, as always, you give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those two and Ben? Yeah, I just uh, I want to thank the WBCA and the NCAA. I know that they've put in a lot of work this year, and I think sometimes they get the brunt of why decisions aren't being made in a timely manner. And I can't stress enough how much work is going in, how hard that, especially you know, I work closely with Kelly Whitaker at the NCAA. Um, I know she's out there working her, her, her butt off for us and for women's basketball. And same thing with our, our WBCA staff. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job, Danielle Donahue and everybody at the WBCA. So I just want to give them a shout out and tell them how much we appreciate what they're doing and just trying to keep the information and the lights on for us. Um, they're doing all they can. No, that's, that's well said uh, and needed to be said. Uh, well said indeed. Uh, so I thank you for doing that. Thank you for your time. It was great Thanks. as always to chat with you. Uh, take care. Hopefully we have a season. Uh, hopefully you get a chairmanship to enjoy. Yes. I know. Um, I'm looking forward to discussing our at-large picks with you. Yeah. So. That'll be very different possibly. This year. <laughs> All right, coach, you had four picks. Let's go through them. Shall right, we? Exactly. <laughs> uh, we took us six hours. How long did it take you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Molly, thank so. you so much. Take care. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. She is Polly Thomason, head coach of uh, Texas Dallas women's basketball. She's also the chair of the, of the NCAA women's basketball committee. And I'm, uh, there's one more thing here. Oh yes. She's also on the board of the WBCA back with more hoops. as we wrap things up with some stuff from the notebook when we come back. Once again, thanks to Polly Thomason from Texas, Dallas, for joining us and even having a bit of a lighthearted moment there at the end. Uh, there are some who, who remember that segment well and, and others uh, in Division Three who know that segment very well. Uh, great to have her and, and have a little lighthearted moment with her. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I hope we'll have her on the show later. Um, Division Three created the LGB. TQ one team administrator coach staff of the year award. It was announced back in the uh, convention back in January. Well, Polly is one of 10 uh, individuals who are finalists for that award. It was just announced two weeks ago. Um, she's one of a handful of women's basketball coaches in, as well, who are uh, finalists for the award. Melissa Brooks at uh, FDU Florham is on there as is Kate 
Costanza. Uh, she is the Allegheny coach, women's basketball coach, and senior women's administrator as well. Uh, there's also some other great individuals here, uh, coaches and, and others. Uh, in fact, there's two Texas-Dallas individuals. Marcy Allison, the women's volleyball coach, is also a finalist along with Polly. So we want to congratulate her. I really hope we'll get a chance to talk to her a little bit more about that, um, a little bit about the award and such, even if she doesn't get it. I would love to have her, into, her input on that or any of these other coaches. But congratulations to, to her and everybody else who made the list of the first uh, LGBTQ one-team administrator coach staff of the year award very impressive that's a that is an ncaa honor so we uh congratulate her just on the nomination by the way if you're wondering on the men's side what's going on with the committee there sam atkinson did have his final year along with uh bethel's um uh athletics director who is by the way announced he is retiring uh, <laughs> he, he stepped off and decided, yeah, enough's enough. And I, I, you know what, to some degree, I can't blame him too much about that. Um, so they, they got done with their, uh, with their responsibilities and it's Bob Bjorklund, by the way, I forgot to mention. Um, and so you have two new committee members. They are, um, Luke Flakertsy at Rochester is, uh, the one who will represent the East as Sam Atkinson was an East region rep. The other coming out of the West region is Dr. Esslinger from Caltech. Uh, you might remember uh, his name popped up quite a bit in the offseason regarding the Augustana job. Just just a side note. Anyway, so uh, two very good individuals. And uh, uh, Dr. Esslinger would certainly bring a different vantage point, I think, for a lot of reasons to this. But Luke Flakertsy will bring a great uh, vantage point as well. As far as the chair, we got a hint of this last year as Mike Schauer, Wheaton men's basketball coach, Wheaton, Illinois, that is, uh, basically was the vice chair or, or shadowed Sam during all the work, especially in February uh, at the NCAA headquarters. He is the chair. Now, he's only in his third year. Uh, Leonard Trevino, the athletics director at Chatham, the former Goucher basketball coach, and Chuck McBreen, of course, uh, at Ramapo, head coach and administrator there. They're technically in their fourth years, but they will serve, as I understand it, as the vice chairs. And Mike Schauer will be the chair for this year and, and maybe next year as well. Congratulations to, to Mike. Uh, really, congratulations to all the committee members because uh, I know they do a lot of work. And this year is not easy. And again, a reminder, they are actually all kind of still working on this. I know meetings are taking place this week. We will find out. I am told a lot of decisions about the Division Three season will be made and done by mid to late October when championship committee officially makes it uh, formal and management committee signs off on it. So we'll, we still have some time here before everything is totally formal. I'm also told different sports are going to have different things. So just, you know, ice hockey might have something different than basketball, which will have something different than other sports. So just keep that in mind as well. But um, appreciate Polly Thomason joining us on the show to chat. When we come back, we'll uh, wrap things up with our notebook segment. There's a lot of notes to talk about, uh, some sad ones and some and some other good ones. We'll wrap it all up in our Hoopsville notebook and uh, look ahead at what we might be covering down the road. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. This is the September 2020 podcast. We'll be back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, 
It's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Welcome back to the Hoopsville September 2020 podcast. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Coming to you presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Of course, we want to thank our partners also at Blue Frame Technology as they bring our guests to us for all of their help. Looking forward to being partnered with them and others down the road, even in these tough economic times. All right, time for a little bit of some notebook work. Um, and, and unfortunately, we're going to start with some sad news. And we start uh, with Randy Tuggle, women's basketball coach at Greensboro. You might remember his uh, incredible story. Uh, on Hoopsville as part of the WBCA Center Court segment in his battle with cancer. Unfortunately, he lost that can- cancer fight after two years with pancreatic cancer. Uh, he died uh, it, just a few weeks ago, uh, really um, about mid-September, after being in hospice for a short period of time, which we were aware of, but respect to the family, kept to ourselves. Um, winning as coach in uh, Greensboro women's basketball history, they got to the Sweet 16 in 2011, you might remember. Of course, he was uh, um, Coach of the Year, uh, honors many times in the conference, and even from ourselves. Uh, a great man, loved chatting with him, even if it was off the air. Really sad to hear that the, the fight was lost at the age of 62, survived by his wife, daughter, um, and grandchildren, and his son is uh, grandchildren, and his son as well. And and our thoughts are with him, but also with the Greensboro Athletics family. We know that he was a, a beloved member of the family, and and our hearts go out to everybody. He was a wonderful guy. Loved chatting with him, as we mentioned, and uh, can't believe he's gone. To be honest with you. And then another tragedy just happening recently. You might remember the great uh, Jaquan Walters, who who played at. Albertus Magnus, uh, unfortunately, just a few days ago, um, was shot and killed in Connecticut. It it sounds like it was an argument where one party decided to go get a gun to end the argument or was so angry or offended or whatever. The suspect uh, somewhat immediately turned themselves in. Uh, Jaquan was raced to the hospital where, unfortunately, he succumbed to his to his uh injuries 
he was an incredible player. Helped put Albertus Magnus on the map if they weren't on the map to begin with. Loved watching him play. Uh, we know that he was an integral part of the YD3 team um, that was part of the TBT until this year uh, and, and helped with that team. I know there's many on that team coaching and otherwise uh, who are heartbroken with this news. Uh, our thoughts and prayers uh, and whatever is needed goes out to the entire Albertus Magnus men's basketball program, athletics department, community, his family, and everybody else he touched. Certainly some sad news in the last few weeks and uh, not exactly how you want to, to, to go about things, if it makes any sense. Uh, so we get the, the sad news out of the way and we move on to some, some better news, let's call it. Um, let's start with MIT. Believe it or not, if you are a member of Division Three, you can jump straight to the NBA. Um, if we didn't know that on the rare occasions a basketball player has done it, hats off to MIT women's basketball coach. Um, I just I'm blown away with this story. Uh, Sonia Rahman is gonna is now a full time assistant coach for the Memphis Grizzlies of the NBA. Um, she accepted the position and will start officially on November 1. Um, we, we are debating when we want to get her on to talk about this. There's something about wanting to get her on this show because, hey, this is great news. Let's talk about it. But I'd really love to talk to her once she's started the job. Um, granted, she may be doing some work now, but really getting involved. I'd love to chat with her then. So at some point in the near future... We will get in touch with her the, to understand how this all came to be. She'll be the 14th female uh, assistant in NBA history, the second one for the Grizzlies. Um, uh, uh, Niall Ivy, I hope I said her name right, was a, a, an assistant for the Memphis uh, last season uh, before being named uh, University of Notre Dame head coach back in April. Uh, so, But Sonia Rahman, we had a great WBCA segment interview with her about fundraising. And I promise you, even though she's now working for the Grizzlies, she will probably still love to talk to you about how to fundraise for your programs to make your programs better. She was the head coach there for 12 years. Certainly hats off to her. Um, she was coach of the year twice in the conference, um, winning as coach in MIT women's basketball history, uh, three straight new Mac championship game appearances, back-to-back -back tournament championships in the new Mac NCAA tournament bursts the last couple of years, um, really incredible that she's moving on to the Memphis Grizzlies and our, and our, uh, tip of the hat to her speaking of the NBA. And while he didn't exactly jump from division three to the NBA hats off to Duncan Robinson, who's been getting a lot of attention of late with the way Miami heat have done, uh, to wrap up this season. Um, lots of articles have been written about him from East coast to West coast. I've enjoyed reading a lot of them. Um, and, and you gather a lot more about what makes Duncan Robinson tick and why he's now successful. And you got to hat, yeah, hats off to the Miami Heat and hats off to Duncan for choosing the Miami Heat because he also had the choice to go to the L.A. Lakers, believe it or not, or at least sign on with them for uh, the development period. He signed on with Miami, and it is working out for Duncan Robinson. Um, I, will, I will tell you this. We will work to have another interview with Duncan Robinson. We had him on a couple of years ago uh, as he was making this professional leap, um, but he was still at Michigan, I believe. We will hopefully make a step to talking to him again when things settle down for him. 
But congratulations uh, to him and the success he's been having uh, in the NBA. It is fun to watch, to say the least. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not a huge NBA fan. Uh, but though to quote Tim Murray, and I got news on Tim in a minute, he says, I don't care. We, the D3 Hoops Brotherhood, are claiming Duncan Robinson as one of us. And, and I agree with him. By the way, Tim Murray if you didn't know, has been doing pretty well for himself on the broadcasting side of things. He was hosted or co-host, should say, of the NBC sports show, uh, The Daily Line, which unfortunately succumbed to the uh, pandemic, for lack of a better description. It's a little more complicated than that, but it did. He's got a new gig, and guess what? It's in some of our old stomping grounds. He is now out in Vegas, part of the VSIN, or however you properly say that organization's uh, call signs. I've heard different versions. Um, basically, his studios are there at the South Point Hotel and Casino, where, of course, the D3Hoops.com Classic is held every December, except for the, the one coming up, as we mentioned in the first show. Congratulations to Tim. Uh, really excited for him. And, and maybe we get him on a couple broadcasts when we get back out to Vegas. Tim and I used to call a lot of games here in the Mid-Atlantic region together. Uh, he's given me a couple of breaks, and um, I don't know if I've given him any breaks, so I can't take that credit. But uh, love calling games with him, and maybe now we got an opportunity to do that. But congratulations to him. He played basketball at Muhlenberg, if you didn't know. Um, and depending on which story you want, it was a tremendous career or it was just a fun career. <laughs> but congratulations to Tim, uh, nonetheless. I, I think that's it. The, a lot of the news has been kind of gobbled up um, by, obviously, well, will we have a season, will we not have a season? But those are some of the uh, newsworthy items that came out. I know there were some more coaching decisions that came down. I guess we could certainly uh, tackle those since we put our last podcast out chicago uh you chicago finally made a hire for their women's program maria william williamson who's a d3 grad you might remember uh is returning to division three to take over the program there um dominican promoted uh from within per se antonio rivas uh, was an assistant for the last three years he's taken over um lasalle is now looking for uh, a women's coach as their head coach stepped down um, I think that gets us up to speed a little bit. Also, Chris Clausen, um, who had been um, he had been at SUNY Canton. That's where it was. Um, is that right? No, no, I'm sorry. He is now at SUNY Canton. He has taken over the women's program there. Apologize. He had been at Knox in Illinois. So he's gone from, as one put it, downstate Illinois to extreme upstate New York. Um, where you can get Montreal radio stations. Oh, I know that f that f that thing. Getting Canadian radio stations. Uh, real back, uh, real quick, back to you, Chicago, Maria Williamson. Um, remember, she's replacing Carissa Sane, who made the surprising decision uh, to become the head coach at Illinois Tech just a few months back. Uh, Williamson had been at Loyola Chicago most recently. She'd also been at Dartmouth and Navy. Um. Of course, Navy had a former Division Three head coach in Stephanie Pemper, who's no longer at Navy. Um, but Williamson had played at Bowdoin for four years with the Polar Bears. They were 119, not too shabby, to say the least. She was the three, first team all-NESCAC selection her senior year and is ninth in the school's career records at 300. There's some notes there on uh, Maria Williamson. Welcome back to Division Three. All right, so shows moving forward. Again, I'm going to be unavailable for about a month or so here. Um, and then we will see what we have in front of us. By that point, we should know what a Division Three season will or will not look like. 
at least as we should have started practices for most and most will not. Um, and while we aren't going to be able to maybe put a show together, we'll still be pretty active on Twitter uh, and social media and such. So you can still follow us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville where we share some news. Instagram, we don't tend to share a lot of news because it requires a little bit of a graphical support but if we have to we'll do that but we'll certainly promote there and that's at d3 hoopsville as well so we'll still keep abreast of things in this next month while i'm a little bit uh, unavailable but once we get on the other side of that we'll try and get back to some shows again we'll continue the podcasts maybe even pick up the pace a little bit and decide when to go to the video version back to how we normally do things once we have a better understanding of how the season is going to be playing out and how many teams will be involved um so there you go. Oh, by the way, still on the radar. The men's all-decade team for D3Hoops.com is is to be released. Uh, that will certainly be a future show that we talk about. We want to talk about some of the new coaches who are taking over for some high-profile programs. We'll talk to those types of coaches. We'll talk to others down the road as well. So there you go. There's there's a slam together Hoopsville show for you, and we hope you enjoyed this version. I want to thank Polly Thomason from Texas Dallas for coming on the show, talking to us about all things women's basketball and all things D3 basketball. Hope she maybe helped answer some questions or gave you a better understanding of just um, how things are sitting, as it were, right now. It's it's obviously not easy for everybody, and they try and make the best decisions for the student-athletes and all involved. But we appreciate Polly taking time out of her day to join us. Uh, and I want to thank uh, Bruce Unruh for his help at Texas Dallas and for all of you out there who've been in touch with me, by the way. Um, reaching out to give me information or give me some direction to look in or stay in touch. I appreciate that as well. And with that, we'll take a break. When we come uh, when we come back, it'll be October. It'll be almost Halloween. But we'll be just talking about just how much of a season we really have as we continue focusing on just the impacts of this virus and how it's impacting not only our beloved sport, but Division Three on the whole. You've been listening to the Hoopsville Podcast for September 2020, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Uh, thanks to our partners at Blue Frame Technology for their help, especially. And we look forward to talking to you down the road. Have a good one, everybody. Stay well. broadcast of Hoopsville is a property of DMAC Productions and David McHugh and is intended solely for the private, personal use of our audience. Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or other use of the descriptions and accounts of this show without the express written consent of Hoopsville and DMAC Productions is strictly prohibited.